Listen, I want you to understand that I am not lacking in enthusiasm or excitement today. Rather, I am dealing with a, a pretty uh, good-sized headache at the moment. So, Jaden, Kanan, why don't you go help him out? You can go turn those lights off for me because they're not helping me a- at all in this moment. So, uh, lights are going to go off. It's going to be a little bit darker up here. Uh, that's going to help me avoid the, the glare uh, from those lights because all I see now are spots. Why did I look up there? All right, cool. We're getting there. Well, did he turn them off before you got there? Hey, that's good stuff. That's all good. Thank you, guys. So uh, this helps me out greatly, so I appreciate that. Uh, listen, the Holy Spirit inspired the Psalms, right, to, to give us insight and instructions, especially when we, we tend to struggle with circumstances or with life events. And in Psalm 4, uh, David's identified as being the author of this particular psalm. However, uh, the special occasion for which this psalm was written, well, that detail is not really provided for us. Now, scholars across the board typically recognize and accept that this psalm is closely connected with Psalm 3. And if that's the case, then this psalm was also written during the time when um, David's son was in rebellion and was rising up to overthrow and to destroy his own father. If that's the case, then David may have written Psalm 4 after spending a night in the midst of great danger. So while the connection to, between Psalm 3 and 4 are a bit uncertain, the message to Psalm 4 is quite clear. And that message is simply in the midst of chaos or in the midst of difficulty or in the midst of great uncertainty, we can find peace, right, through prayer and trusting in God. Peace through prayer and trusting in God. Now the psalm begins actually with some instructions. It says, for the choir director, on stringed instruments, a psalm of David. So the introduction gives instructions to the choir director, meaning that this psalm was a congregational song to be sung. And, and so, as in the previous psalm, David finds peace through prayer and trusting in God. Like Psalm 3, David gives us a pattern to follow in our times of distress. And so today we're going to discover how to get relief from adverse situations. And the first thing that we're going to do is to call upon God. Look at verse 1. It says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So David calls uh, upon the Lord to act righteously on his behalf. And then he uses some terms that are really beautiful. And he uses the term distress. And that word in the Hebrew means a cramped, narrow, or tight place. And then when he says that he was relieved, that word relieved means to be brought into an open space. So he was in a cramped, tight place, but God brought him into an open space. 
And so David makes an appeal to God because David knows that God answers prayers. He's done it before, and so he turns to him now. And he pleads with him, and he says, be gracious to me. That statement is an acknowledgement that everything that we've received from God is due to his grace. That word grace simply can be defined as getting what we do not deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what we rightly deserve. And so none of us deserve God's loving kindness, His help, or His assistance. We all deserve the wrath of God. But through His marvelous grace, we have been brought into a relationship with Him by the mercy of God. And so David says, be gracious to me. And he says, hear my prayer. So David prayed with full assurance that God would hear him. And that, that God would more than just hear him. That God would listen to him. See, we too have been granted the same privilege so that we can enter into the holy presence of God at any time, in any place, and, and, and offer our request unto him. Now I want to point out that there's a great difference and a distinction between God hearing and God listening. Hearing and listening are not the same thing. I'm chasing a rabbit here in this moment. I don't know why other than the fact that God impressed upon me this morning as I was looking over my notes to go down this trail for a moment. So I would imagine it's for someone that's here that you need to hear this. There's a difference when God hears something and when God listens to something. See, God wants us to pray. God wants us to confess our sins unto Him. He wants us to present our requests and our needs to Him. He wants us uh, to offer many prayers And the thing is that when we call upon Him in repentance, Man, he is eager to, to meet that call of repentance with his justice and his mercy and forgiving each and every one of us. So even though he hears all things, God hears every prayer that's offered. He hears it all because he knows it all. And he's all places at all times. But there is a difference between God hearing your prayers and God listening, inclining in to respond to those prayers. Like in this very moment, you're either hearing me or you're listening to me. Just because you can hear my voice doesn't mean that you're truly listening in this moment. And the fact of the matter is, like, I want God to hear and listen to each of my prayers and each of your prayers. But you need to understand that there are things that are in our lives that can hinder God from listening to our prayers. He hears everything. But is He listening and I don't think we do a lot of teaching uh, on this in the church. 
But what are some of the things or what are some of the circumstances that would prevent God from listening to your prayer and responding in a way and according to His will? I'll give you four. Number one is when you're holding on to your sin. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 15. Because I added these this morning, they're not on our screen. But Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 15 says that when you spread out your hand in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Unconfessed and unrepented sin in our lives can make all the difference between God hearing our prayers and God listening to our prayers. James says in James chapter 4, verse number 3, sometimes it's our selfish motives that prevent God from listening and rightly responding. In James 4, 3, it says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so perhaps it's unconfessed sin. Maybe it's selfish motives. Or when we ask, we, we're asking for something that's not in God's will. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything in accordance to His will, and He hears us. And then finally, in, in Mark chapter 11, verse number 24, sometimes uh, we have, because we do not ask in faith. And then that word faith, this is where it gets tricky, right? Faith is, we're not talking about uh, believing for something. No, faith is believing in someone. It's not faith in believing for something. It's faith as believing in someone. And that someone is God. Our faith is in God. That He will hear our request and that He will respond in a manner that is consistent to His character and is in accordance to His will. So, so maybe sometimes the reason that we're struggling and wrestling with this thought that God's not hearing my prayers, maybe... We need to go back to the root and make sure we don't have unconfessed and unrepented sin in our lives. Make sure we're not asking for selfish motives. Make sure that we're asking in accordance to His will and asking in faith, faith that He will answer rightly and do what is true and honorable according to His character. May you understand that the Lord's door is always open to us. We can call out unto Him with complete confidence that He will respond in accordance to His character and His will. And so David had complete confidence in God. And time and time again, God had given David relief in his distress. So in our times of distress, we can be encouraged by remembering all the prayers that God has answered in our past. Every problem that He has solved, every need that He has provided, every sickness that He has healed. If we remember on these things, it helps to remind us of the beautiful reality that God is faithful. 
He was faithful in the past. He is faithful in the present. And he will be faithful in the future. We're told in places like in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. And then Hebrews 13, verse number 8, beautifully says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, so David knew that he didn't deserve any help from the Lord, but he prayed on the basis of God's mercy and God's favor because God in His grace gives us what we don't deserve and God in His mercy withholds from us the things that we do deserve. So David goes from calling upon the Lord to addressing his enemies on God's behalf. So, so step one, if you will, is to call upon God. Step two would be to seek repentance, not destruction. Step two is contained within verses two through five. So picking up in verse number two, it says, O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Selah. I want you to notice that his attitude is completely different here than in many other psalms where he calls upon God to unleash his wrath upon his enemies. And then, but he's not asking God to release his wrath. No. No, he's praying for repentance. And this is one of the main reasons many people feel that this psalm is written during the time of his son's rebellion. See, David's enemies were, were his own flesh and blood. They were his own countrymen. David doesn't long for the destruction of his flesh and blood. He doesn't long for the destruction of his own people. No, he desires their repentance. And when it says, O sons of men, well, that's a Hebrew term that refers specifically to men of rank. And so David's addressing the leaders of Israel. Absalom has stolen their hearts. They were turning against David. David understood their thinking. David knew that his son had deceived them. And so he, he says, how long? This is a call to repent. To, to repent and to stop their sinful behavior. See, here's the thing. The people's rebellion against David was ultimately a rebellion against God. They were seeking to overthrow the very person that God had placed and positioned as king. It says, O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? Interesting that this gives us some insight into some of the specific accusations that were being brought against David. You see, the people were attacking David for the way in their eyes or in their understanding for the way that he became king. 
For them, they bought into the lie. For them, they believed that, that David was getting a taste of his own medicine. In, in their eyes, Absalom's attempt to overthrow his father was justice for David's alleged overthrowing of Saul. But David never sought the throne for himself. It was the Lord who removed Saul from his position. It was the Lord that had anointed and appointed David as king. And so David's telling them that they, they needed to stop slandering him. That they needed to stop destroying the nation with their lies. And it says in verse number 3, But know that the, the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. David's enemies would never prevail against him because God was with him. David was in the care of God. And he knew that God would hear and respond to his prayers. The, the, the rebels had, had convinced themselves that, that they were God's choice. Yet David's fully confident of whose prayers that God would respond to. He knew that God would hear and answer his prayer. That God would answer him and not his enemies. And so he calls upon the Father. In verse 4 he says to tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. David further challenged his enemies. Ultimately he says to, to lie awake and to search their hearts as they lie down to go to sleep at night. See, believers who, who fear the Lord have need not to fear anything else. But those that are in rebellion, those that never, neither tremble before the Lord or, or in this case tremble before their rightful king, well, they should be in fear. See, rest doesn't come easy for those who are guilty before God. And the only recourse for the wicked was to abandon their sinful plans and to become worshipers of God. That's why he says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. If you read the companion text, and it kind of like goes along with the background to these psalms. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 15. If you read what's going on in 2 Samuel chapter 15, you'll read about how Absalom, in his deliberate attempt to deceive the people, trying to convince them that he's on the Lord's side, well, Absalom was offering sacrifices to the Lord. But those sacrifices were a sham. Through those shameful sacrifices, he was trying to persuade the people that he was on the Lord's side. He was trying to convince them that they were actually fulfilling the will of God by overthrowing David as king. And so David's telling them to, to wake up and to realize what they're doing. Stop the sham 
and start offering genuine, authentic sacrifices to the Lord. Oh, if they would only just trust in the Lord. Then David knew that if they would trust in the Lord, that God would convict them of their ways, and God would show them the destruction and the deceit that was coming from Absalom. There's a great lesson to be learned here. It's a simple but very powerful one. It's the lesson that simply says, trust in the Lord. Whatever you're facing, place the matters into the hands of God. And trust Him to do what is right. Trust Him to do what is just in that circumstance. And then you can know, if people are lying about you, give the matter over to God. Trust them with it. If people are trying to hurt you or harm you in some way, give the matter to the Lord. You can trust Him with it. If people are trying to discredit or destroy your reputation through gossip, through slander, through lies, give the matter to the Lord. You can trust Him in this. Oh, we're going to unpack this in greater detail uh, next week in Psalm 5. The simple call is to trust in the Lord. Call upon the Lord, give it unto Him, and then pray, not for the destruction of those individuals, but pray for their repentance. That they would repent. That they would see just how wicked their words are. And how much pain they're causing, not just an individual, but the body of Christ. Trust in Him. He's got it. He'll handle it. So we call upon the Lord. We're to seek repentance and not destruction. And then finally, we rest. Picking up in verse number 6. Many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Again, David's addressing the Lord directly. But this time, it's not for his own benefit. This time, it's benefit is for the, the faithful followers. Those who have placed their lives and their livelihood on the line in order to support or, or in order to defend or, or fight for their king. And so, so David's praying for the faithful ones among him. David's faithful followers were also discouraged and gripped with fear. And so here David turns back to God and he prays on behalf of the people. And he desires more than anything a manifestation of God's presence upon their lives. And so he prays, lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. He asks God to do for his followers what he has done for himself. God has transformed his spirit from a spirit of fear to one of faith. From darkness to light. From despondency unto hope. From sorrow unto joy. 
And David wants his people to experience the unparalleled joy of the Lord. So he intercedes on their behalf. And then I love how it ends. In fact, verse 8 is my favorite verse out of this song. Verse 8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Which means after pouring out his heart to God, God's peace filled his heart, filled his mind. And David simply states, I'm going to bed. I mean, what would he do about the struggle that's right before him? The opposition is still on the prowl? What was he going to do? Was he going to spend another night agonizing? Was he going to spend another night tossing and turning and trying to formulate a new strategy or a new plan? Nope. Turns it over to God. Trusting in the Lord. Praise for repentance from the people. And the peace of God fills his heart and fills his mind. And he says, that's it. I'm good. I'm going to sleep. Because David was strengthened and encouraged by the Lord, he was able to face the, the battles of the next day. See, God and God alone was the source of his strength, was the source of his safety, was the source of his comfort and his peace. And that was enough for David. David didn't have to stay awake because God was awake. He's always awake. We turn it over to him. We trust in him. We pray for repentance from those that are harming and hurting us. And then we leave it. And let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives. We go to sleep. And we rest. Ready to face the next day. Whatever that day might bring. I want to close with a quote from John Calvin over Psalm 4. Calvin said that this passage teaches us that those are miserable who do not, with full resolution, repose themselves wholly in God. The faithful, although they are tossed amid many troubles, are truly happy. Were there any other ground for it but this, that God's fatherly countenance shines on them, which turns darkness into light, and, as I may say, quickens even death itself. May you experience the peace that only Christ can give. May you take your burdens and lay them squarely at the feet of our Savior, trusting it into Him. Trust in Him. And then rest. Stop tossing and turning. He's got it. Let's pray. Before I pray, would you go ahead and turn these lights back on, get them ready for the worship team. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. God, thank you for the privilege that we have to gather each and every week. Father, you are worthy of complete obedience and quick obedience as well. Father, forgive us of our disobedience. 
Help us to understand that delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Father, I know that there are many that are here that are struggling. They're hurting. They've been wounded through the words of other people. Father, I pray that in that pain, that they would turn it over to you. Trusting in you. And that you would give them peace, Father. Whatever it is that we face, God, help us to walk in obedience to your word and to your will. And in this time of response, Father, may your spirit convict us of sin, encourage us to make commitments and decisions. May you be pleased by what you see from us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.